0: You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, everybody. welcome to a special extra episode of Garibaldi Red on the day when it looked like Steve Cooper would be sacked by Nottingham Forest after the defeat to Leeds made it eight games without a win. But at lunchtime today, Forest owner Vandos Marinakis put out a statement saying Cooper will remain in charge with the club facing an ever more grim battle to stay in the Premier League. So, joining me to discuss today's news and the relegation picture, first of all, is Reds fan Greg Mitchell. How are you doing, Greg? Good,
1: yeah, not too tired. Straight out of the shower, so a bit shiny, so apologies.
0: <laughs> never, I wasn't <laughs> going to call you shiny, but yeah, good to have you with us anyway. Uh, second guest today is Darren Fletcher. Fletcher, you well?
2: Yes, I thought we called the podcast because we were going to talk about Frank Lampard going back to Chelsea. I've forgotten all about the Steve Cooper situation. <laughs>
0: true we, we had a good Chelsea start at the start of uh, the last episode so yeah bring it up again no worries and third guest today uh still with his kids in the background I think that's why he's muted at the moment is Michael Temple Temps how are you I'm good mate
3: yeah apologies if anybody here is my little boy or Blippy in the background but yeah glad we're here in in positive circumstances to a point
0: uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it is positive. I must admit, I was pretty distracted this morning. Where apologies to the makers of the Super Mario Brothers movie. I did not pay much attention to that at 10am in a, a packed cinema when I was watching that with my kids. But then at lunchtime, the good news happened. I think we'd probably all agree that Steve Cooper's staying. So I'll start with the patron saint of the Cooper in movement, Greg Mitchell. How are you feeling about it in general, Greg? Yeah, it's good as it can be, really. I'd have I'd have liked to of them to add
1: just till the end of the season, at least, into that statement. But, uh, yeah, just for him to be in charge against Villa, that's all we could have asked for, really. And then it's, it's down to him, it's down to the players, it's down to us to make sure he's uh, in charge for the game after that as well now. So, yeah, delighted, really, after how it could have gone today.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll come on to the wording of the statement. There is some interest in it. But just in general, Fletch, it looked a bit forlorn to me last night after that Leeds game. It looked a bit inevitable. I was surprised by today's developments. What's your reaction to it?
2: I'm pleased, first and foremost. Um, I think it's, it's interesting that throughout all of this, his relationship with his players has remained solid and sound. And I think that's always a telltale sign um, for a manager. I think outside of Steve's situation and everything else, I think we should all just pause for a second and acknowledge the way that this has been handled by the owner because conventional wisdom. And I had Tony Cascarino at the start of the season, who clearly doesn't know what he's talking about. Really adamant that Steve would be the first manager sacked. Well, he hasn't been. I've heard a lot of people describe him as a knee jerk owner and compare everything he does to Olympiacos. Well, that clearly doesn't apply here when it's mattered. He's made big decisions and on both occasions, he's come down onto the side of Steve. And he's also backed the club tremendously with the amount of money that he's put in to buy players. So I think we should start to acknowledge that we have an owner that A, is extremely committed to the club, that B, is prepared to make big decisions when it matters. And they're not knee-jerk decisions. They're considered decisions. It might have been easier twice this season to sack Steve Cooper and just throw somebody else in. But now twice he's decided to back him and give him an opportunity to turn the club around. And I think outside of what Steve achieves or has achieved, I just think the narrative around the Nottingham Forest owner nationally should change and should change quite a lot because he's shown a a real restraint and he's given real support to his manager during two real difficult periods. And I hope that he is ultimately, ultimately successful, as well as Stephen the players, because he deserves that. Because, as I say, the easy thing would have been to make a change, bring somebody in that nobody's really heard of and hope for the best. But he hasn't done that. He's clearly listened. He's clearly made up his own mind. And I just hope he's got the right decision. I hope from this point on they win the necessary games they need, get the points they need and stay in the Premier League. Because I think he's booked the trend, really, in terms of what we expect from owners.
0: It's interesting, uh, Temps, in the sense that we've waited so long to get to the Premier League, it was quite possible that fans would be that desperate to stay there that people would have turned on Cooper. But no one has. The the fans were totally united by him. And as Fletch says, the owners backed him when I think quite a, a lot of times scenarios the manager would have gone in this situation, wouldn't he?
3: It's because we've lived that Steve Cooper era, haven't we? There's nobody gave up the season ticket in of last season. They all went through a year that started with us getting entrenched in 24th position and finished at Wembley and, and started this Premier League adventure. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised. There, are, there, is a, there is a pocket out there that are in, uh, forming their own little breakaway anti-Cooper <clears throat> movement. None of us are part of that. Uh, but we shouldn't forget that the form is, is dire. Without a winning eight, I think you said we didn't look any closer to finding that win necessarily last night. So I hope this has a, a galvanizing effect and brings about a change in results as well as performance, because that was one of the key phrases used in that statement. But I just wanted to credit Forrest. I think you know we've all worked in sports comms in, in various ways for a, for a while um, now. And when there's a vacuum, it can be filled with rumour and quip. And Forrest made a, a real definitive move today. They haven't always got it right media-wise, you know, nor have I in, in, in my career working for, for sports clubs. But um, I think today was a, a real positive, definitive communication and was welcomed by the vast majority of supporters.
0: I think the thing that I wanted to say about it was if you were going to sack Steve Cooper this season, then it had to be today in the sense that there's so few games left. They've got Aston Villa away next, and we'll come on to that, but I feel like we'll personally I think we'll lose that game, which you know is not an unreasonable statement. And then we've got May United and Brighton at home, and I still give us every chance in, at home games. So if you're gonna do that, I think you've got to stick with Steve Cooper for the rest of the season, and then you've got to stick with him for the start of next season, probably if you get relegated or if you're in the 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 championship. Do you feel like Greg? You said earlier the missing words were until the end of the season. Do you, do you feel like this has got to be, you know, stick with him now for the rest of the campaign?
1: Yeah, it's just it doesn't need to be a distraction now, does it? I just feel like it will buoy everyone up for for Villa, which is hopefully one of the main reasons they've gone the way they have. Uh, they've they've clearly got a they've clearly got issues with some sides of the media. I'm not entirely sure. Who, but they've they've made it clear that they're they're a bit sick of that. So uh, that's probably another reason that it's came out. But mainly for the fans, they're not, you know, they're not <laughs> living in the dark. They're looking out, and they've got people looking at social media, and obviously, and they're seeing what the fans, the majority of the fans, wanted. You only had to hear pre-match at Leeds yesterday. I mean. My voice went five minutes in, so I was saying good, but uh it was loud and it was clear, and it was obvious what the majority of the fans wanted because we hadn't had a season like last season, the majority of us, and it meant a lot to us and I think more than than some some other club's fans fans realize so for us to to get the majority of our wishes today it was huge, it was massive i mean, I was at work I was in in this small little office and it finally popped up. I was dreading every phone call I got and I cheered like we'd scored a goal. It was brilliant and such a good feeling and such an unexpected feeling. So hopefully, just like the Villa game at home last season, when we got that bounce again with his new contract, we can can do it on Saturday. You just never know it might be the difference.
0: I'm sure your boss is delighted to hear that you were so focused. I was on on my break. (laughs) <laughs> OK, on well, your word, I suppose that's the hope now, isn't it, Fletch, that this is the rallying cry and it kind of kickstarts things because it is a last roll of the dice in terms of staying up now. We're in the, the home straight, aren't we?
2: Well, yeah, they are. But, but I'd also make the point as well that if Forrest stay in the Premier League this season or get relegated, it's not all down to Steve Cooper. It's down to the players, it's down to recruitment. There's a lot of people that have had a hand in this season. And I think that if there is a pocket of Forest supporters who are now, as you described it, anti-Cooper, I'd like them to explain why. Because I don't think the general consensus is that you become a worse manager, bad manager. Maybe there is a scenario that this group isn't quite ready to to keep Premier League status this season and it might be a longer process and he might have a part to play further down the line to do that. I think if this is just kind of everything rolled into this season, then it's quite short-term, isn't it? And and we've got to look more long-term. This is a club that's been out the top five for 23 years. You can't just write everything in, in, in two transfer windows and, and one season. It can take longer to do that, to, to build it organically and make sure that it can last. So I think there are various layers to this. It's not just whether Steve's a good manager, bad manager, lost the changing room, is tactically whatever he is. There's a lot more to it. This is a football club that wants to be eventually settled in the top 10 and looking up rather than down with a bigger stadium, an increased fan base because you can get more in, better players, better prospects. But anybody who decided that that would happen this season was, was, was mis, misguided, misplaced. I mean, this is going to take a period of time. And there are going to be casualties eventually along the way whether they're popular players or, or even potentially at some stage a popular manager. But I just don't think this is a journey that can be rushed. I think they tried to rush it a little bit by signing as many players as they did. I think that was a, a, rushed, a rushed attempt to try and speed the process up. And I just think the reality is that, that to become the kind of Premier League team that they want to become, it's going to take more than one season, more than two transfer windows. It's going to take a lot more hard work to get them there. So, a bit of stability along that journey, I don't think, is a bad thing. And I think Steve, as he said after the match last night, you know, he's completely dedicated to the club, still working as hard as ever. He only wants to be in one place. And the reality is, let, let's kind of not beat him out of the bush. If he'd have got sacked today, he would have started next season as a Premier League manager somewhere, and somebody would have taken him. And then if he has success with that club, everybody's saying, Well, that could have been us if we hadn't sacked him. So it's an extremely movable feast. And I think there is a, a key element to the word supporter. And I think the Forest fan base now, regardless of of, of beliefs, are, are going to come together and support the team and him superbly well the rest of the way. I, I, I can pretty much guarantee that. So all of this today is positive. And I just think now people need to leave him alone to do his job, pick his team, try and work the tactics out and keep our fingers crossed that he gets it right. Because I, for one, I'm happier that he's doing it, than someone that I've got no experience of, who may or may not be better, but they could actually be worse. So at least with Steve, you know that you're getting complete dedication. He's working 24 hours a day to try and get it right. So all the things you want from a manager, he's going to give you. So I'm just hoping that he gets what he deserves at the end of it all.
0: Um, Lots of points there from Fletcher we'll probably branch out into as, as we go along temps as the comms man i just want to pick your brain just briefly about this statement just to read it out um this is Van Jos statement no one denies our clubs and difficult position in the premier league but we wish to end the speculation and false disruptive reporting in the media to confirm steve cooper remains our manager at nottingham forest not will remain we have all been disappointed with recent performances and it's very clear a lot of hard work needs to be done to address this urgently results and performances must improve immediately Now is the time for everyone to connect with us as a club to stay together, et cetera, et cetera. There's a couple of points I want to put to you, Temps, as the the comms man. It's not 100% saying he will remain our manager at the end of the season, is it? It's he remains, not will remain. Results must improve immediately. We may be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves saying that, this is Steve saying, you know, he is the man, definitely. There's a little bit of an out there, potentially.
3: Yeah, of course you are. We're giving him the benefit of the doubt there. But this, in certain circles of um, neutral sports media, will be seen as the, the dreaded vote of confidence. And we, we've all seen what can come quite soon after that. So, no, I don't think he is necessarily safe till the end of the season. I still don't think Maranakis would allow him to come down. Flesh articulated it better than I ever could there about the process, the fact that the league is brutal. Things don't come off. Players you've been loyal to for a long time suddenly aren't good enough the level and you have to to make changes. Alex Ferguson, the, the best exponent of that, move, moving on good players to to bring in um, better ones. However, that's not how Maranakis thinks. And I see a tweet every other week about one of his teams, Imperius, in one of a myriad of sports that have, won their league, won their cup because he's, he's been used to winning. It didn't happen when he first arrived at Forest. It took him far longer than he would have liked to get out of the championship. And it's proving far tougher than he would like to stay in the Premier League. But he believes he's resourced all of these teams to succeed and Forest is no different. And whilst we had success last year, and if Steve Cooper had recovered to, to finish 10th in the championship or lost in the playoffs, he would be under less pressure than he is now. Maranakis expects Forest to be comfortably mid table with the money that he's dropping. That's that's what I perceive his aim, ambition for this club to be at this moment in time. I'll turn to the comms for a sec because clearly there are people within Forest now that know how to draft a statement, but this has been signed off at the, the very, very top. And that's the case for, for most of the, the media on meaty issues that, that I see coming out of Forest at this moment in time. There's a decent setup there now. Um, I, I don't know Wendy personally that runs it, but she's got a very good reputation, is, is clearly having a voice heard and getting points across. But a lot of stuff's been referred up the chain to Greece where they're prepared to make tough decisions. This was a tough decision today, that they've had a long, hard debate becoming, before coming to the conclusion that they did. But make, make no mistake, a further run of defeats or relegation looking like a, a virtual certainty could still lead to a change. And as I said before the game, the result, the upturn that I, I, I want to see from this is a positive change in results and performances that provide Forest with with safety in the in the Premier League, and
0: that's far from done yet. Mm-hmm, true. Um I should say that West Ham are playing at the moment uh, in against Newcastle, as we speak, and they're 2-0 down, which kind of shows, Greg. All these teams are struggling. Leicester lost again last night and shot themselves in the foot. It does look grim for Forrest and I am feeling very nervous about the situation, but all is not lost. How are you feeling about it? Well, those Leeds fans walking out the ground with us
1: yesterday were convinced they were safe and we were down and they were happily telling us all the way to the car. So uh, I'm feeling like I'm ready to prove a few of them wrong, to be honest And. uh I don't see why not. Everyone's rubbish down at the bottom at the minute. They win the odd game and then they can't, like, buy a win after that. Newcastle, I mean, what is it, 20 minutes in the West Ham game? 2-0 down already. Leicester are the team that definitely aren't going to be involved. They can't do anything. Uh, you know, Bournemouth, Southampton, we could probably relegate them in a few weeks if we get the result. And we're just not out of it. We need to remember that. We're still not in that relegation zone. We're still fighting better than a lot of teams down there, and we're now scoring goals away. I know it's only a small thing, but I know we'll get onto the game. But that first 20 minutes yesterday, we were good. We controlled the midfield. We looked good. We scored when we got the opportunity. God knows what happened for the rest of the game because <laughs> rubbish. But these signs there that we can be a team and we can beat these other teams around us. So, yeah, I'm worried. I'm dreading it going to Crystal Palace on the last day of the season, but I think we're going to be celebrating, I really do. Just to
2: pick up a couple of points on what Temp said um, with regards to his the owner's view and, and, and what he expects the club to be. I don't think we should all be naive enough to think that he sat in the office and just made the decision that Steve Cooper's the manager he will have gone around and spoken to agents and will have canvassed opinion and will have spoken to potential candidates as well because you have to do that as a club owner in the situation that you're in. Due diligence has to be occurring all the time. Every successful club always has the list in the room for if the manager fails or if the manager leaves or they need to make a change, these are the people that we've been monitoring for a period of time. It's the way businesses work. With his connections to Olympiacos, he will have a list as long as his arm and connections unlike most people that we know in football. A couple of things will have occurred here. He won't have found a manager available who he thinks can wave the magic wand to keep Forrest in the Premier League. So that's one contributing factor because if he thought the sure thing was out there that all I've got to do is make this change and Forrest stay up, he would make it. And any owner in that circumstance would because... To stay in the Premier League is huge for him and his his football club. So that would be one thing. The other thing would be that I take on board, Temps the point you've made about the amount of money that he's ploughed in and he would then expect that group of players to be good enough. My challenge would be that I don't think that the recruitment has been joined up enough, that you've got different people selecting different players. So essentially you have a, a bit of a patchwork quilt as opposed to players who have all been recruited with the sole aim of playing that way for that individual. I think when you do it that way, you've got a bit of a problem. So I think in that regard, lessons need to be learned moving into the summer transfer window if they stay in the Premier League and they're going to do something similar. They've got to go about it in a slightly different way. Yes, the finance was there. Enough money was spent to stay in the Premier League. But if it hasn't been spent efficiently, you can find the problems that Forrest have got now. And my challenge to that would be, if you compare the Forest squad to the other squads that are down there at the minute, you would say they're relatively comparable. And some of them have spent way less than Forrest have. But when you look at the strengths in their group, you would say, yeah, Forrest could do with a bit of that or Forrest could do with that player. It's not as if that group down there is head and shoulders above the teams below. So that would tell you that errors have been made in the way that they brought those players in and the way that money's been spent. So I think outside of Steve, others within the room in a position of power... Have to take their share of responsibility too, because they could have done that side of things better in the summer and in January as well.
0: Is that the big I can see you're nodding along there, Greg, so I'll come to you. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, it seems, with recruitment. It feels like a big inquest is needed across the football club this summer, regardless of staying up or going down.
1: Yeah, definitely. And just from a fan's point of view, I mean, obviously we've lost Dave Murphy, we've lost CEO, who was, you know quite involved with Cooper and it seemed quite close to Cooper. So he went and we had the new recruitment team, but you you could kind of guess as a fan whose Cooper guys were and who the recruitment teams were. So, yeah, next season, if, if Cooper's in charge, there needs to be a clear path of who's doing the recruitment in the summer. And it has to be one group. You can't have these two splinter groups saying, well, I want him and I want them and getting these different players, getting, you know, these woods in one sense. And then, you know, I wouldn't I say others... Oh, you so it is, it's a tough one, but they're learning. Now, I, I know they've they've run successful clubs, but they haven't run clubs in the best league in the world, and it shows how tough it is. I mean, I was obviously naive enough to say where we were going to finish at the start of this season, but you know, it's realistic now, and we're in a dogfight. And uh, it's just when it becomes real, and when you're nervous, and when you you know almost not sleeping some nights thinking about, God, what's going to happen. Uh, it becomes real and it's these little mistakes or little errors that we'll have to learn from pre-season and into next season that will make us grow as a team. It's not about how much money you put in each year. It's about how sensible you are and how you know, how successful some of these signings are going to be on and off the pitch.
2: Just on that before you you come in as well, that's why I think you can't apportion all of this onto the manager and his staff. This
1: no, no way. You've
2: got to look at globally and say, look... We know that he may have contributed in some way and has to do a better job, potentially. Maybe they're telling him that. But also, other people in the room have got to say, but that wasn't him, and that's not him, and that's a problem for him. So you've got to cut him a bit of slack, I think, in the situation that he's in. And 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 I've no doubt that that's in the, the owner's mind when he's reached this decision today, whether it's temporary or permanent, we'll find out.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you think, Tams? I mean, you look at... Some of the signs some of the signs clearly are cooper's and some of them are you know people are pointing out quite right andre Ayu was probably a cooper signing he hasn't done well I'm all gives why it was he has done well I mean no one's bulletproof in this process but January was probably a bit of a stinker for aside That not is, it That has to be shared
2: responsibility you know I said the manager has to take his share of the responsibility yeah for as well this whole process could have been handled better of course it could
3: it should be shared responsibility but who gets the sack in football it's it's the manager because it's the easiest change to make it's not necessarily a justified decision when it happens and there's countless examples where people have inherited an unrealistic expectation or a a bit of a mishmash of a squad or had players forced forced upon them i just want to go back to a a point fletch made right at the start of the season when we we spoke about the type of players we wanted um, and then we had technology straight away that a lot of clubs already have these players, and they have they that they, they're not um, perfect beings. They're affected by things off the pitch. The the blend in the squad, uh, where they find themselves, where they're at, where that where their heads at. We scrambled inside John Joe Shelby, who I was briefly very excited about. I thought brought another dimension to the football club. But I watched Mark Rocker at Leeds yesterday, put on a version of. John Joe Shelby's um, archetypal uh, performance in his pomp where he's getting on the ball early, playing decisive passes, extremely fluid, bringing others into play and everything that we hoped he, he might be. And I, I, I don't think he made a mistake yesterday. And that's it. It's, it's a lesson in the level, isn't it? There are yeah. so many good players, even in struggling teams. And he was absolutely outstanding yesterday, as was Sinistera. And well, that, was was... What was say,
2: that was the one I was going to say, Tim. That was not what I was going to say because you, what you would watch him last night and yeah. say, Forest haven't got a player that does that. But not when as they well rec- as that, no. But when they recruited the players that they recruited, they recruited players that they expected to do that, and it just hasn't worked, has it? So, and Sinister has only got five because he's been injured, so he's not exactly been everything that Leeds wanted. But you look at him in a vacuum last night and say, well, he'd be okay because he, he cuts in and he has a shot and all this kind of thing that Forest don't do. So. It's a very inexact science, isn't it? Which is why I think the more joined up you can be from top to bottom and you've got a, a, a clear process and a clear profile and you are, you are recruiting to play a certain way and you are recruiting to do certain things, you're giving yourself a better opportunity to be successful in doing it.
3: It should mm-hmm. get easier. It should get easier when you're tweaking. And this, this point about the, the DNA of the club as well, switching from a back three to a back four, and having players like Miko who are more compatible with one particular system and then parachuting them back in when there's a, an injury or a, or a suspension, it's hard to adapt to. So we are still a bit of a patchwork. I think we're all now celebrating Felipe and Neocarte. We were behind Worrell and Bolly two months ago, and we started the season with, with Cook and McKenna in possession of, of shirts as well. So, look, it's been really tough. We've been dealt all kinds of obstacles, challenges, positive results, negative results along the way. We've just got to find a way to win. And with the backing of the manager, Steve Cooper needs to find a way to get a tune-out of 11 players that takes the pitch on on Saturday. Or we could be having this this
2: conversation again with a slightly different outcome. i tell you what's fascinating on Saturday. You will find out on Saturday how committed everybody is to each other. Because the reality of the situation is, if you read the statement and we take it for what it is, There is no long-term guarantee for anyone. As you've quite rightly pointed out, the statement said, he remains the manager, that's it. There is the possibility that everybody has Saturday and they'll take a view on Sunday based on what happens on Saturday. So I think they've got to acknowledge that that they're pretty much going game by game at the moment and they're gonna be assessed in that way from the powers that be. And I think you'll find out at the weekend by the performance and what it looks like, just how committed everybody is to each other. Everybody can say the right things and say, oh, yeah, you know, with this, that, you will know on Saturday. Because I think Saturday has to be vastly different to a lot of recent performances. And I think one or two people who maybe can give a little bit more, one or two people who can maybe run a little bit more, one or two people who can maybe make better decisions at times, people who can have a shot when it matters, all that kind of thing. Saturday's the day to do it. Because everybody's future could be on the line on Saturday. So I think you'll find out a lot about the makeup of the group and what they think about each other, the togetherness and the belief and all of the things that we talk about. I think Saturday will be a showcase into that. If they go to Aston Villa and get rolled over based on what's happened this week, I think that'll be telling. But if they go and they knuckle down, and even if they lose, the manner in which they lose is going to tell you a lot about how everybody feels about each other in that room. I think think Saturday might just be the most fascinating game of the season in terms of what you find out about everybody in there. And I think his team selection will be interesting too because maybe this is the day, if Steve feels that way, then he thinks, right, if 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 I'm on the block here, I'm going to pick my team, I'm going to play my way, I don't care what anybody says, I'm going to go down fighting in, in, with who and what I believe in here. So I think I think Saturday's going to be a fascinating insight into into just what's happening at the City ground. I really do.
0: True. I'm going to make a pitch for 3-4-3 on Saturday later. But <laughs> um, what, what was the sense of the in-the-ground at, at Leeds, Greg? Fletch talked about mentality and things like that. When you were coming away, because I thought the last 70 minutes of that game were absolutely bloody awful yesterday. What, what was it like coming away? Uh, well, there was the doom, wasn't there? I mean, I'll, I'll say going in,
1: the atmosphere was bouncing. For a midweek game, you know... Not many people had been fueled by an afternoon <laughs> around Leeds. Um, the atmosphere was good. The first 20 minutes, like I say, we played well. We, we really did. We dominated that midfield and we seemed to have so much space. But when it suddenly changed, I mean, credit to the Leeds fans, they got behind the team, they scored and then the momentum kept going. Uh, it was just, we felt a bit down and out. It didn't look like we were going to get back into it. Heads dropped and the final whistle, I mean... I didn't hang about long after the final whistle. I just didn't want to see him go off the pitch. I was convinced that was it. And it was, there wasn't any angry people. It just seemed there was a lot of sad people. But that's why today I think was so special because it was so unexpected. Um, And I agree with what Fletch says as well. I mean, the comments might go a little bit bit crazy now, but it will be Cooper's. It's almost like we're in the Cooper's last dance bit now. He's got to do exactly what he wants to do on Saturday. And he'll pick the team he wants to pick and the players. We saw like Mangala yesterday. He was probably one of the better players who took a great goal. He's been in and out of the side coming back from injury. And, you know, that might be the difference. So I do think that Saturday is fascinating. I can't wait for it. And I know Villa are the form team at the minute, but they're not going to win every game. And you never know. <laughs> we will get that. We will get that famous way win soon.
0: I think they're the last team I'd want to play in the league apart from City United. Good, that's moment. perfect for us then. We'll come <laughs> on to that, we'll come on to that. Temps, I'm going to give you a free run at the the Leeds performance. Was it mental weakness? Was it tactical failings? Because I don't think Steve Cooper comes out of it blameless personally. What, what do you think went wrong at Leeds? <sighs>
3: Well, it started well because we scored and I thought we were geared up for a cheeky 1-0 and, and Fletch coming on all triumphant saying that's what happens when Daddy squares it. <laughs> and then and the, the platform just evaporated, didn't it? And we went back to that habit of, of losing the ball. Look, I think, I think the tactical setup is Cooper's. I, I don't think that is influenced by anyone other than him and the team, the team of coaches that he has handpicked to be around him. He's not in control of the performance. He's not culpable for personal mistakes, individual mistakes that that players make. The one black mark against his name is our Premier League away form. And I think I agree with Fletch. We have to see Steve Cooper set us up to try something different. Because if we continue to, to play in the manner that we have, with the setup that we have, albeit with, with slight tweaks to personnel, then it's, it's not going to end well. I, I want to see, you know, within reason... Um, an attempt to retain possession more. I know we're never going to play like Man City or even or even like um, the opposition at the weekend where they just recycled the ball across the back endlessly and, and almost aimlessly for, for periods of time. But we want to see something different. And that's not easy to do when you've got a four-day turnaround between matches. So fascinated by the shape, fascinated by the, the selection that he'll make. But yeah, you've you said it, Matt. For for 20 minutes, it was a it was a, a good game. Um, there were elements of flair and individual talent there. You, Emmanuel Dennis's movement for that Mangala goal was exceptional. Some of the one touch in midfield was exceptional. And it was a great finish from Mangala at the at the top of the box. But we flattered to deceive after that. I think the manner in which Leeds set up with Patrick Bamford as an out and out nine, I was really impressed by his hold up play yesterday. And without having um, the archetypal striker that can hold up the ball and bring those three attacking midfielders into play in the manner that, that Leeds did yesterday, whilst having two reliable, dependable, holding midfielders who are a bit more advanced than Forrest's, but far more able to play a quick ball accurately under pressure was the, the key difference for me. I have to say I was impressed by elements of the um, Leeds performance. There were still... More questions and answers for me from Forrest. Steve Cooper needs to find a way to improve um, the away form. And like Greg, I hope that happens on Saturday.
2: You know, I, 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 got, a, I got a bit of criticism from a fella for, for what I said about Emmanuel Dennis at the weekend.
0: More than one fella.
2: Right. <laughs> Was last night not the perfect illustration? when he makes the right decision and plays like he did, he can be an effective player for the club. When he's making bad decisions, you don't get anywhere. By getting his head up last night and squaring the ball, Mangala scores an excellent goal. And that's what he's there to do. Hit the woodwork as well with a a chance that was difficult. Came at him, but he's in the right place. He's that kind of player. I also think last night I was a little bit surprised, that you didn't look at the first goal. Because I think for a goalkeeper as experienced as Navas, he's culpable for that. He has to do one of two things. Either hold the ball or push it sideways. You cannot push it back out. And he knows that. And that's another individual error and a key moment in the game. that the manager can do nothing about because he's not going to start Wayne Hennessy. He's going to start Caelan that He has to do that. So that's not on him. But that's another situation, a key moment in the game, where, where a player's made an error and it's led to a goal. And it does happen a lot. It happened again last night. And that's the momentum change that Leeds are looking for. And you expect players of that experience and ability in those situations to be able to deal with that situation. And that cost Forrest again last night. Swung the momentum leads way from being 1-0 up, it's one all, They're then 2-1 down and it's a long way back away from home. So I think they've got to manage situations better. Game management's been an issue all year. You can go back early in the season to Bournemouth and to Fulham and to, and to Wolves at the weekend, games where they've had the lead and then... They've ended up not winning the match, and in some cases they lose games. And over the course of a season, that's extremely costly for anybody. The television companies always put the graphic up, points drop from winning positions. And and it's the team at the bottom that drop the most points from winning positions. It's just well,
3: it's 20 points in our case.
2: Yeah, it just goes hand in glove. I mean, you are not only are you safe, you've got the cigars out, the pina colada. I mean, you are planning which club you're gonna raid for what positions you want now, just by managing. Half of those situations, you're safe. So, you know, I think that is, that's something that they've all got to learn from heading into the next season if they stay up. Managing those, those big moments, those pivotal periods in games that, that basically decide whether you win or lose. And, and if, you, if you get yourself on the wrong end of too many of those, everybody who's watched Forest consistently this season will see just how costly those big moments are.
0: I think people on here accuse us of being too pro-Cooper and never criticising him. So I am question him here because I defended the thing against Wolves, the Warls sub. I didn't understand the fullbacks were getting absolutely butchered last night. And Steve, he backs his players to the hill because he'll leave them to go one on one all the time with anyone, even when they're on a booking. I didn't understand why Toffolo either wasn't hooks or both of them are given some help, whether it's Dennis and Johnson are told to get back for until half-time and make it more difficult, or you change shape and get midfield on, or you bring Joe Warrell on, which I know was the, the substitution that was so criticised at the weekend. I, I mean, does Cooper... Oh, who should I put it to? Temps, you, you are a bit of an amateur manager. Does Cooper bear some responsibility for not doing something different last night? We're so predictable the way we play away from home and so easy to play against. So our central, midfield,
3: our central midfield three are deep and compact and they, they do invite the opposing wingers to, to walk onto the fullbacks, which is fine if you've got confidence in, in your fullbacks. But that was effectively our second string last night and Leeds hold their width with that three in behind Bamford. Johnson and Dennis are allowed to cheat to a point so that when we spring the counterattack, they can be the link man or the finisher. And that's, that's been the tactic this season. So I can see why it's happening. I, I don't like the manner either in which you can walk onto our fullbacks, um, home and away, frankly. We saw this, didn't we, in the Man City game where we were lucky to emerge um, with a point. How do you address it? You have to change the shape, get a four in there, have right and left midfielders. And that's not a very common position in the Premier League anymore. The other way to do it, don't have you block quite so deep. Maybe a more of a mid block. Allow the central midfielders to um, to, to shuttle, follow the ball, um, ignore the, the 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 opportunity to switch, and just accept there's going to be a ranging pass every now and again that you can't do anything with. But yes, for me, we do allow the opposition to walk onto our fullbacks far too easily. And Nico and Toff weren't weren't at it last night. They really weren't. I was impressed with Toff against Wolves. I think he came in cold. Did really well. Nico's playing because he has to, because Serge isn't quite available for selection yet. But yeah, that's that's a, a, a very fair point, and I don't think we addressed it sufficiently.
2: How many games? Kind of throwing this out to all of you. How many games this season have you left the match and thought that Forest Central midfield had dominated 90 minutes?
1: Well, we don't get we don't get the possession in any game to do that, do we? We just don't want the ball. <laughs> That's
2: well, what so. I'm making is that if if you don't dominate that area, mm. there's a knock-on effect everywhere else. And you see that the teams that are successful in the Premier League, they keep the ball well. They don't all have to recycle it side to side like Wolves, but they keep the, the ball well. They possess it for a considerable amount of time, and it takes the pressure off everybody else. I, I think whenever I look at Forest, the, the weakness all season has been that sometimes we've looked energetic enough in midfield. That's invariably when Yates has been there normally with Cech Kuyate in there as well. But I look at the way that the Forest midfield operates, and I think going back to the point that Temps makes, it then creates issues for everybody else around the pitch because you're not in control of the key area of the pitch, the the central area. You've just got to look at the possession stats. I mean, I'm listening to you guys say that for 20 minutes last night, Forest did well. If you look at the possession stats for the first twenty minutes, think for us at twenty percent twenty five percent now we're assessing the team and saying that the team did well away from home based on twenty to twenty five percent possession that's that's difficult to do. it really is because it means you've not got the ball very much, and it then means that you've got to be clinical when you get around the opposition box because you're not going to possess it very often to 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 build situations so you're on the back foot straight away so I think this has been an issue for them, that we can look at isolated parts of the pitch and say, well, that individual there or that one there, and what do you do with them? But until they can get a situation where they can really genuinely get control of a match and not have it wide open, and they can get a hold of it and keep the ball, I think these issues are going to keep occurring. And I think if you are going to criticise the way that the team's been managed over the course of the season, it's that we're no nearer to that now than they were right at the very start. It's, mm. it's, I think it's been a real weakness. Home and away, even the games that Forest have won at home, the opposition have had a hell of a lot of the ball and, and have controlled the tempo of the match. It's just that that Forest counter attack has worked really well on occasions, particularly at the City Ground. I, I think that's an area that, that has to get
1: stronger. I if think that's are... why. I, I think that's why we did look good the first twenty minutes because when we got the ball, when we did count, we were sharp, we were quick. And we created two or three really good chances, one of them being a goal. So I think that's why we are getting better in that sense.
0: So I think we are. There's also a bit more to it than possession as well, in a sense, I just don't think they. Is this a mental weakness? They don't compete enough away from home. I don't remember them winning battles. Someone in the comments referenced Chelsea as the last time we dominated the midfield. And I thought we were much more competitive. Physically and in terms of.
2: Oh, by the way, Matt. By the way, that was the second half against Chelsea. The they said the half second game,
0: half in the comments. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah,
2: yeah. Half, that that person's absolutely right. But it was only half of that game. Yeah. So, and, and you know, I know that's a big call that you're making there. I've got to say that if you're, if you're asking the question whether players are committed enough away from home,
0: mentally strong enough, I think that's as well. A
2: question of a, of a player's integrity to do that. To to ask that question, because again, I don't think a possession stat is particularly vital because you can knock it between the centre-backs and the goalkeeper for 75 minutes and it looks like you're controlling the ball. We've all seen games like that. But I think when you look at the bigger picture, if you look at the possession in that area of the pitch, just the eye test tells you that that they don't control that area of the pitch well enough.
1: There's certainly a there's certainly a fear in the crowd as well, the last five minutes of each half. You know, the amount of times that it's gone wrong the last couple of minutes in the first half, the last 10 minutes in the second half. And you feel that in the crowd and you certainly felt it uh, towards the end of the first half yesterday. It, was, it had a weird inevitability when they
0: scored yesterday. Mm. I'm not sure I'm questioning their integrity So I'm questioning if they're a soft touch. They're not nasty at all, are they? Without that's Ryan that's Yates that's or that's Chester that's Chester that's in midfield, they're so easy to play against.
2: Yeah, but the, the flip side of that might be are the players in that area of the pitch good enough for what they need? Is that it's the area? Are. Mangala looks
0: are. a world beater at home, and then away he's just not. Does he, does he, does he, does he,
2: would you say he looks a world beater? Would you go that far?
0: No, but at home, I'm, like, I'm going too far. Well. But at home, he performs, and away he, he hasn't.
2: Right. So so there's one midfield player that you would pick out and say, on occasions, home games, looks really good. What I'm saying is that I know people would like us to criticise the manager. That seems to be what people would like us to do. But if he's got a midfield that doesn't match up particularly well, regardless of what he does against Premier League opposition, I don't quite know what he's supposed to do with it, because that's such a big area. Any midfield that comes and plays against Forest, you look at their group and you think, "Oh, Forest could have, could, have, could have problems here." When mm-hmm. Yates and Kiyate were in there and really firing, Liverpool at home was a prime example. The energy that those two put into that performance that day was was astonishing. Really, I mean, Kiyate looked like he was going to be carried off about four times and then seemed to get twenty five percent more energy from somewhere. I mean, it was astonishing that day. Mm-hmm those days are few and far between where we've had players marauding around central midfield and dominating things. I think the whole ethos of a successful top flight club stems from that area. You can nick goals on the counter, you can have a centre-back come in like Felipe and play fantastically well, which he has. The full-backs have developed over the course of the season, look a really good pair when it's Aurier and Lottie. But if if you surrender that area consistently, particularly away from home, you're going you to have a nightmare. You, this, this, this is the reason why Manchester United bought Casemiro, for crying out loud, because they knew they got a gaping hole in there. Paul Pogba and all these people played in that position, and their midfield against the be- very best wasn't fit for purpose. So they spent £75 million on Casemiro. They stick Ericsson in there too, and all of a sudden they start to look like a different team, and it all stems from that central area. We can all wax lyrical about Rashford goals and what have you. I just look at that Forest team and the central area, of the, of the, the, the game managing area has been a problem all season, I think.
0: True. I mean, I thought, let's last year on the Leeds game. I thought the and Felipe were the only ones who actually came out in, in credit. Even Morgan White had an absolute stinker last night. So, you know, it was just a collective bit of a horror show, really, apart from that first 20 minutes. Let me make a really unpopular pitch for Villa that I know is going to go down terribly in the comments. I wonder whether you bring back Joe Worrell and play a back three and you play players who Steve Cooper knows. And I don't know if he trusts Joe as a Premier League player, but something's got to be different to what we're doing away from home. And maybe just a, a back three attempt, uh shake it up, do something different against Villa? Because the way it's going, we're not going to get anything away from home without doing something else, are we?
3: Well, I see a logic in so much as that would... Cover for some of the deficiencies we've we've got at,
0: at fullback or have had at fullback. Well, it would um, help with Nico Williams, who can't, yeah. not playing as a right back, yeah, Right, well I mean. But that's
3: that's no reason to change the team. I don't I don't think he'll he'll do that. Um, I think you're you're right in the fact that we you don't you don't mature as a central midfielder in, in your early twenties. Danilo will get there; he's not there yet. Yacy and Coyote slightly older heads, and they're they're just after you, aren't they? For ninety minutes, they're going to hound you, kick you. Block everything you're trying to do, nudge you at corners. That that they are that that physical presence from which you can um, establish a, establish a platform. So I think we're going to change it through personnel, not through shape. I don't think there'll be some sort of stuff going off, but I'd be extremely surprised if you went back to a back back to a, a back three. I'd be extremely surprised to see Worrell starting because, as we've all agreed, the high point of the last two games has been that centre half pairing between. Felipe and Niercate, who look at one turn physical and at another um, poised and confident on the ball and able to, to mop up when they find themselves in trouble. So, no, I don't think we're going to see Joe Worrell. I think we're going to see a flat back four. And I think we're going to see Felipe and Neocarte resuming on Saturday.
2: I think one, I think one of the issues, if you, if you go to a back three, is that the two outside centre-backs have got to go out into space and mark wide forwards in the Premier League. And that's, that's difficult for anybody unless you're a very athletic centre-back. Musa near Cate, you look at him physically and the speed he has. We saw some speed last night and it was great to see him actually spread last night and run because you think, well, he's got confidence in the hamstring. I thought that was, that was a really good sign for him. But you can see Musa happily going out there and doing that. But I don't know whether you want Joe and Felipe going out into a wide position against, I don't know, A Ramsey or a Watkins who's dropped out there or Buendia. I don't know whether you want that. I don't know whether you want a centre back out there on an island just so you can get full backs out of the way defensively and playing as wing backs. I think I can see the logic in doing it, but I can see the danger in doing it as well because you can Mm -hmm. end up, you get an early yellow card for one of your outside centre backs up against a a winger or whatever it is. And then you're in a mess. And I think that was the big issue early in the season, wasn't it? Early yellow cards in games, away from home, to a centre-back up against a player quicker and trickier than him. And then they can't make a tackle for the next 75 minutes. And it was, they were sitting ducks.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think my pitch might actually be more for a flat-back five, frankly, than no. a
1: three-fothering.
0: Just tap some 5 across and cover the what field I'd say
1: What I'd say, Matt, is... Uh... It, obviously, it's not just the comments that are going to have you for that because I, I disagree as well. And we were talking about world beaters. I think the only true world beater in our in our team the last few games has been Felipe. And I think if you if you go for a back three, that might take something away with just how dominant he's been and how confident he's been with that ball. It sticks to his foot. If it goes near him, the attackers find it so hard to get around him. He's hounding him, and I wouldn't want that to be affected at all. I think the way they work at the minute they're starting to develop this really good relationship that's going to be key in keeping clean sheets for us.
0: What do you want to see, Greg? I don't necessarily mean in terms of formations. Do you just want to see a A fight? I want to see
1: see Gibbs White play like he played against Wolves. And I think he needs teams to hate him. I think he really needs that fire. And I'm hoping Villa, the Birmingham connection, hopefully they'll give him some stick and he'll... He'll be playing like he was against Wolves when he played well. And I I think when he plays well, Johnson plays excellent. Um, Like I say, back four is key, Loddy back. Um, I just want to see us go for it. Go for it like we did at the start against Leeds. Get the goal. Hang on for dear life against one of the form teams in the Premier League and see what happens.
0: Mm, mm, True. Um, What do you think then, just before we start winding down, Fletch, do you feel like it's looking pretty grim? I know you've been a big picture man all the way through and you probably still have more faith than some of us at the moment. Are you feeling pretty wobbly now about the prospects of staying up?
2: I said right at the start that 17th is enough. And I still maintain that. I I always, I admired Greg's...
1: um, (laughs) Blind optimism. Misguided.
2: Confidence, yeah, and optimism. I admired it. But... just being around the Premier League for as long as I have, I just know how difficult it is for a team to come in, regardless of what you spend, and be good. It's just so hard. It's a, it's just such a difficult thing to do. I thought they... I, I If I'm being honest, I thought we might be in this situation with nine games left and Forrest would actually be in the bottom three and having to make up points on the teams around them. So I'm optimistic based on the fact they're not and that they do still control their own destiny. What does worry me is the running. And then when I look at the running, I think that the other teams who are struggling have got to win as well. So every time you see Leicester lose and Bournemouth lose and Southampton lose again, you think, well, okay, that's fine. So I don't know. I, I'm, of course, I'm worried because I want to see them stay in the Premier League. What I, would, what, what I would like to see is them get through Saturday and by Monday morning, Tuesday morning next week, the manager's still there and everything's all right so that that's that's what I'd like to see then I'll start to have confidence in the rest of the season and what it might look like. I still think that Saturday's a big day for everybody. I genuinely do I think Saturday's mm. a big day for everybody so hopefully it's a positive day hopefully it's a positive result and hopefully everything's fine but mm. I, I am. I am concerned, of course I am, but I, if somebody said to me now, you can take 90 minutes at Sellers Park to stay in the Premier League, and by then they're probably safe, by the way, I would I would snap your hand off now, get on that bus and make that awful journey to Croydon and keep your fingers crossed. Because I think if they can take you <coughs> to the final day and Crystal Palace are safe, Forrest will stay in the Premier League. They'll get the result that day. I think, I think they've, they've got to make sure... They take it to that game. And I think if they do, they will be successful.
0: Yeah. I mean, I still think they can because I know everyone's looking at Man U and Brighton at home and saying zero points. I I don't see it that way. With Steve Cooper in charge and that, that unity that's ever increased by today, actually, I still would give us a good chance in any home game, even against Arsenal have gained something. It's not lost at home. Yeah,
2: nobody ever factors in draws, do they? Everybody always looks at the games and says, oh, we'll win that, we'll lose that, we'll win that, we'll lose that. We're well, get a couple of draws here and there as well. So, those two points would be important too if you can nick a couple of points here and there. If they could go to Villa at the weekend and get a draw and then you play one of those bigger sides and you get a draw, then straight away you've got two on the board that you might not have expected to have so then that takes the pressure off something else. And you don't know, people just automatically look at Chelsea away, Liverpool away, Arsenal home. Arsenal might be champions by the time they play Forrest, so that needs to be factored in. Chelsea have just reappointed Frank Lampard, so you don't know what they're going to be like by the time Forrest play them. And Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool seem to be going in opposite directions with a lot of disharmony in there. A team that went for a quadruple last season is, is struggling. So it's not as if you're going into Anfield as a fortress, Stamford Bridge with Chelsea chasing the title. Arsenal might not need anything by that stage and might be celebrating being the champions of England. So I think the remaining fixtures on paper look really difficult. The remaining fixtures on paper could change based on circumstances for clubs. And there is no guarantee that Brighton are going to keep playing like Real Madrid every week. You know there might come a point where Brighton level off a little bit too, because they've had a fantastic season, but are they going to do it week after week? But there's, there's so many circumstances that that can change. and people automatically say, I'll oh, we'll beat Southampton because Southampton are desperate. they are gonna scrap and claw a point for Southamptons a great result. So that seems like it, all of that becomes a difficult game. so, you just got to let the games play out and just see what happens and just keep your fingers crossed that it works out. None of us are, none of us know what's going to happen. Which is the only thing we've got in common is we're all desperate for it to be positive. That's that's all we got in common, really. Well, what I do know is that Greg was a mile off in what he said at the start of the season.
3: Third, well,
1: let's third. <laughs> way, I keep, I keep the way, was
2: disappointed with
1: that. <laughs> I'm doing a Gary Birtles here. I've got to charge me uh iPad. It might go off in a minute.
0: Well, it's all right. We're going <laughs> to end now anyway. What did he say? Oh, you'll just have to deal with it. I think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was on with us. Oh dear, must get Gary back on soon. He was supposed to do Monday, but couldn't. So yeah, love Gary. Right, uh, any quick final words, Greg, before we go? Just hope. Just like
1: after today, I've just got some hope. I was so down in the dumps. and I think Fletch said it earlier about doing it under another manager it just wouldn't have felt the same even if we'd have you know if cooper had gone and we'd got someone else in or you know one of the backroom staff took over and we did it it wouldn't have felt the same now we've got this unique opportunity where we've actually stuck with the guy we've stuck with the guy everyone wanted to and if we do it it'll be as famous as next year as last year was so i'm just so excited now for this running it set us up for exactly what we wanted and let's see if it was the right thing because if it was, it's going to be remembered for many, many years.
0: Tenth, anything before we go?
3: Well, I can't, I can't quite pick a team for you because there's so many boys that could come back into this. I think the, the full-backs, if they're fit, could both make a case to, to play. You can make a case for Taiwo um, in for Dennis. You could make a case for Koyate in for Froiler. You could make a case for Yates if, if he's available. So I've, I've named five there that, that could come in. Look, let's let's finish with the the words from that statement. Results and performances need to improve. We need to try something different from what we saw yesterday. So I am expecting changes to to the eleven. But the eleven that takes the field is anyone's guess.
0: True. Fletch, you've given us a rising speech already. But if there is anything you want to add, then please do.
2: No, just that the main fella that gave me stick at the week in the, in the week about Emmanuel Dennis. He's gone. And followed me on Twitter, so I, I thought that was quite ironic. So I just thought, yeah. Block him, Fletch. No need to block him. I'm not interested in him anyway. So just like, why give me, a, why give me a shedload of stick, and then follow me? Like I'm going to follow you back, and we're all going to become great buddies. Just don't give me a load of shit. Just don't.
0: <laughs> Everyone's welcome. Everyone's. I need look after
2: my followers. I've got like 300.
3: Fletch has got 3 million, so he can offend a few. I don't. Listen, I, listen,
2: I, don't to, I, I, I. I think. I, I. I think our fan base is wonderful. I. I Love to get out there and speak to people and and, and share the passion that they have. I just find it—I always find it a re- real strange situation when you get a load of stick off someone and you go back and then they follow you. Well, well, why? What for? No point. You just give me a load. Of, we can't be friends now. You, you've just been nasty.
0: We can't be friends. Well, we're all friends here on this panel. <laughs> so.
2: It might have been
3: Greg's alter ego account. He must have had uh, there some. There's got to be a
2: I scrolled <laughs> down and there was no, no mention of third place in the Premier
1: League, so I know I had nothing to do with Greg. No. The one thing I'm always saying is we're not used to doing these evening ones. We should have just done it in a pub. It could have been quite interesting.
2: I've been <laughs> saying, <laughs> in Greg's defence, In defence, if he would have said as well, we um, we, 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 we all said, well, come on, okay, put a lid on it, when he was being as optimistic as he was. <laughs> But if he would have said we would be at this stage of the season and Brighton would be pushing for the Champions League, (laughs) that's what Aston Villa, we'd have said he was mad there too. So these crazy things do happen, don't they? You just said (laughs) two months
1: ago with Aston Villa, Aston Villa were in our conversation, not the the Europa League conversation. It just shows like it's crazy how running this league. You can quickly move on.
3: So I thought yeah. Greg was mad when we were bottom of the championship and he told me we still have a chance of going up. Then I briefly <laughs> thought he was the messiah and he'd seen it coming. And now I think he's <laughs> <I'm> done again.
1: <laughs> Don't strike twice, does it? Oh, Let's dear. just keep
0: right. right.
2: our fingers crossed and everybody stay together. Stay behind the manager at the weekend. Support the team as well as... I mean, look, I tell you, if any, if, if any group of people deserve their team to stay in the Premier League, it's the Forest fan base who have been unbelievable through every minute of every game, the the indelible image in my mind of our supporters, and this will be win, lose or draw, relegation or stale is is Leicester away when we're getting absolutely pounded. And that still sang as one, louder than the entire Leicester City fan base for a good solid 20 minutes. Made me proud of my club, proud of the fan base, proud of me City. And I think one of my lasting memories of this season, whatever happens, will be that group of people at the King Power Stadium that night showing just how much they love this football club. And I think if there is is any justice in the world, that will lead to a celebration at Sellers Park on the final day of the season when we can all we can all be friends again and we can all enjoy it.
0: We're all friends, we're all friends. Right, over 700 people watching along with us. So if you like that, do uh, like, subscribe, spread the word, give us a good review, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Uh, Hopefully everyone enjoyed it and we shall be back. Uh, when shall we be back? Probably after the Villa game now. I don't think I could face the, the tension of doing <laughs> any more of these this week. So uh, Commitment. Commitment.
2: <laughs> what day off?
0: <laughs> day off for the next three days.
2: You're your own house tonight. You what? You know, unless you're back in
0: your own house. Well, I've got, I've got Wi-Fi, finally. Yeah. After a month without it, basically.
2: 2023, working. and
3: Matt Davis gets Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs>
0: working Wi-Fi. Working Wi-Fi. Thanks, right. Thanks very much, everyone. Have a good uh, week. Uh, hopefully, Steve Cooper rests well tonight. I bet he's had a, a pretty more stressful 24 hours than us. So, uh, thanks very much, everyone. We shall see you soon.